continuing uh, my series on Abraham's life today. And I want to look at the topic of prayer. I, I think prayer is the essence of the story that we're going to read. And I think there's some interesting principles about prayer in this story. So let me begin by reading Genesis 18, 1 to 15. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet. And rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took herds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women has ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied us, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but he did laugh. Roman numeral one prayer believes. This is the fifth time that God has appeared to Abraham. This time it's at Mamre, which is in the Negev, which is the southern part of Israel. It's a desert region. There's a, it's a hot climate all the time. Daytime temperatures, not unusual to be over 100 degrees. And Abraham is in his tent in that shaded place, and he sees three men coming, which is a strange thing to see. Like I said, it's the heat of the day. Very hot out. Who could these travelers be? Well, verse 1 tells us it's the Lord. Now, I don't know if you noticed in the reading on the overhead or if you have your Bibles open, but it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Did you catch that? That's the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. That's the name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. I am the Lord. This is the Lord who is appearing to Abraham, confirmed in verses 13 through 15. And I, I think that Abraham probably recognized this voice and, and this figure, this appearance of this person who's appeared to him before. Now, the two other men that accompany the Lord are angels. I say that if you have your Bibles open, if you just turn the page, 
to chapter 19, verse 1. It says that these men who were with Abraham are angels. So think about this for a minute. Some, we may have to just readjust our brain a little bit on what angels look like. They look like men. They didn't have big wings on their back. And they ate a meal. Ah, it's challenging our brains a little bit this morning. So Abraham offers his three guests a typical Middle Eastern hospitality. Hebrews 13.2 comes from this story. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You never know that person on the street who you show kindness to. Jesus said this in Matthew 25:40. The king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. How we treat others, especially the poor and the stranger, shows how we treat Jesus. I like the story of the little boy who told his mother that he had prayed and invited the Lord to have dinner with him. There was a knock at the door. There was a beggar standing there. And the little boy told his mom, the Lord couldn't come, so he sent his representative. So the Lord and two angels arrive on a mission to check out Sodom and to deliver a birth announcement. So this visit was just as much for Sarah as it was for Abraham. And in verse 9 it says, they ask, where is Sarah, your wife. And I thought, they asked. That was interesting to me. Did they say it in unison? It's a great question, though. And I'm sure they meant it physically, as in Sarah's location. And that's how Abraham answered. But I think it's a great question for us husbands that the Lord might ask us, where is your wife spiritually? Where is she emotionally? Sir, do you know? So he told Abraham that Sarah was going to have a baby. Now, this is the first time she's heard this for herself. Abraham, I'm sure, undoubtedly has told her many times that the Lord appeared and said, we're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. But I think they questioned if it would be through her. She's 89 years old at this point in time in the story. She's too old to have a baby. She's been barren now for a long time. But her ear is pressed against the tent flap as she overhears what is said. So what's she doing? She's eavesdropping. And you know what? There are some hazards that come with eavesdropping. You just might hear that you're going to have a baby. In fact, she laughed to herself, it says in verse 12. Not out loud, but her laugh was a scoffing kind of laugh, like, sure, <laughs> I'm going to have a baby. Now, Abraham laughed when he heard this news in chapter 17, verse 7. He laughed. But he wasn't rebuked, and she was. But I can totally understand her laughing. I've laughed scoffingly, cynically before when I thought, that's too good to be true, ha ha. But she laughed at God. And I think God's reaction to her was pretty mild, considering she laughed at God. And only the Lord knew she laughed, and he called her out on it, because he knows our every thought. Not only that, he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Even a 100-year-old man, a 90-year-old woman having a baby, that's not too hard for the Lord. Neither is your problem too hard for the Lord. 
Your problem is no problem for God. So Sarah's rebuked, and she realizes this is no joke. Now she's nervous and afraid and lies, and the Lord corrects her. It is not a good idea to lie to the Lord. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament in Acts 5. But I believe at this moment, faith was conceived in her to believe for this miracle before the baby Isaac was conceived in her womb. She changed, I think, from this moment on to be a woman of faith, such a great woman of faith that she's one of the few women listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith chapter. So to effectively pray, we must believe that God exists and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now let's continue on in the story. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, who I am but just dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So the two angels and the Lord are walking towards Sodom, and the two angels go on their way and leave. And it says, Abraham went with them. So that's where prayer begins. Letter A, it begins with our walk. Abraham walked with God as his friend. 
kept in our light-taking walks, through our neighborhood, through trails and woods. If we're at the beach, it's fun to walk along the beach. If we're visiting a new town, we always explore the new town on foot. We especially like to walk around college campuses. And most of the time we talk and walk, but sometimes we don't even talk. We just walk along together. Once in a while, the other will get too far ahead and will say, hey, slow down. You're going too fast. So our walk with God must be in the same direction and pace as God. We can't lag behind, nor can we get ahead of God. We surrender our will to His and obey. So we adjust to God. In Genesis 5.24, it says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Genesis 6.9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. So Abraham is simply walking with God in the same tradition as men before him, Enoch and Noah. If you don't walk with God, you can't have a prayer life. What your prayer will be is crisis times. It's a crisis, so I pray. Or your prayers will be perfunctory prayers. You know, at mealtime, bless this food. Now I lay me down to sleep before bedtime. It's not real prayer. It's not engaging God in a relationship. It's not a friendship kind of prayer. And if I don't walk with God, I won't know His mind. I will just tell God what's on my mind all the time. Prayer also starts with, letter B, knowing God's mind. As they walked together, as Abraham walked with God, God revealed his mind to Abraham. And I find it amazing that God wants to have a relationship and communication with a man, with us, with human beings. What does God want to share with you about your life, your marriage, about America, our community, himself? He wants to have a relationship with you, a close personal relationship, a friendship, if you will. Abraham was his friend. James says that in 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. It says in Deuteronomy 29.29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. There are things about God's mind that he wants you to know. And Deuteronomy 29, 29 says he'll reveal those things to you. There are some things that God wants to reveal to prophets. Amos 3, 7 says, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. And then Jesus says in John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Here we are. We are called by Jesus his friend. You're a friend of God. Just like Abraham. In fact, our friend's denomination took its name from this verse in John's Gospel. Wouldn't it be awesome if God talked to you as he talked to Abraham? And he might, if you were seeking his face, 
and spending time with Him to find and to know His mind. Verses 18 and 19. I love those two verses because there God declares who Abraham is to Him. And it's pretty good. What does God think of you? Have you ever thought that? I wonder what God thinks about me. I think a lot of us would think God thinks I'm very unworthy. That I don't matter that much in the overall scheme of things. You know what I think? You're a better Christian than you think you are. And God knows Abraham would tell his children and others about him. Prayer also starts with letter C, knowing God's heart. God shares his heart with Abraham about Sodom. There's been an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. Someone there has been hurt and offended. Someone there must have had morality that this cry even came out to God. Someone there recognized there is right and wrong. And this is wrong what is going on there. That there are absolutes in this world. That there is truth. Even though people say truth is relative. You have your truth. I have my truth. No, there's, there's a line there where something moves from truth to falsehood. There is justice. And people in this world want justice. So who cried out? Was it a raped boy? Was it an oppressed family? Was it Lot himself? Was it the angels who observed this? Was it the rocks that cried out? We know that Abel's blood cried out to God in Genesis 4.10. The Lord said, What have you done to Cain? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Someone's cry in Sodom became God's burden because He cares. God is burdened with injustice that He sees everywhere in the world. Are you? What are you burdened about? America. Virginia and the laws that are being passed here. Mechanicsville. Your family. God goes on to share His heart with Abraham and says that the sin of Sodom is very grave. It had broken God's heart. So ask God, give me your heart. Give me the things that break your heart, that they would break mine also. What a great prayer that would be. I know my sin breaks God's heart. And the sin of Sodom absolutely broke his heart because it was full. It had reached up to heaven. It was so high. Abraham had been told by God earlier, the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. It has not reached the complete measure. And that's why your descendants have to wait 400 years to take this land. Eventually, their sin will be full. And the injustice is so great that they are not worthy to live on that land anymore. So I'm going to give it to your descendants. But Sodom's sin was complete. It was full. But Abraham knows that his nephew Lot lives in Sodom. And he knows that those two angels are now on their way there to that city. And if it's bad, they're going to destroy the place. And if it isn't, God will know. And I wonder if that last phrase in verse 21 gave Abraham a little bit of hope as he launches in prayer here in intercession for Sodom. He's worried about Lot. And God is concerned about Lot too. And He's also concerned about the victims of Sodom. And God's burdened about that. And so God's burden is laid on people, intercessors, who have a heart for the same things God has a heart for. What a great prayer that would be for us this morning to pray, God, give me your heart. 
for the things that break your heart would also break mine. Roman numeral three, prayer stayed. So the two angels leave for Sodom, and it says Abraham stayed and still stood before the Lord in verse 22. He still stood before the Lord. He stood in the Lord's presence. Here's something about prayer. Prayer lingers. It's not in a hurry. Our prayers are often quick prayers. Prayed on the run because we've got to move on to our next thing. We've got to go back into busyness again. Some disciples, after Jesus' resurrection in Luke 24, 29, but they urged him, Jesus, strongly saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus, stay with me here in this place. I want to stay with you. I want to linger in your presence. I don't need to rush off to the next thing. Verse 23 says, Abraham drew near. Reminded me of Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you picture coming into God's presence when you pray? That you're... You're coming in there because of the blood of Jesus has made you fit and right to go in His presence, to pray to a real person who is alive and hears you and wants you to stay with Him in His presence and linger in His presence. This morning, do you need to slow down a little bit? Roman number four. Prayer engages God. Now we get to the heart of Abraham's prayer. Prayer engages God, letter A, honestly. And I love how Abraham questions God. I think the nerve of that guy. The prophets did it. Jesus' disciples did it. Because it shows you have a real relationship with God if you question. Now, we can question God in bitterness, cynically. Uh, I don't believe you know, you know what you're doing here. But we could do it respectfully. Abraham does. He questions God's fairness. God, it doesn't seem fair. And you know the book of Habakkuk is devoted to this very theme. You would kill all the righteous people there with the wicked? God, that's not fair. You're fair. You're just. How how in the world could you do that? Prayer also engages God, better be, persistently. Now, I had to chuckle what seems... Like Abraham's conversation with God, I'm reminded like an ancient market where you're bartering the price down with somebody for goods. And this is for souls. 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Abraham was having more than a monologue with God. He was having a dialogue. Did you notice the back and forth that was going on there? I love that. For us, prayer is usually telling God what we want. It's one-sided. It's a monologue. God, here's my list. Come up for air. Abraham was persistent, though. He didn't give up. 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Prayer also engages God, let her see, specifically. Abraham's prayer started generally and then became more specific. He started out generally. The righteous. That's general. But then he became specific with the numbers, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. Are your prayers general? Oh, bless so-and-so. That's okay. 
but can they become more specific? Now, why did Abraham go to ten? I want to propose a theory here. This is just my guess, my theory on why ten. Why didn't he go down below that? Let's start with the number of people in Lot's family. How many were there? We got Lot, his wife, and two daughters, right? That's four. We find out in the next chapter, if you read the next chapter, that there were two sons-in-laws who were pledged to be married to Lot's two daughters. So that's six. Now, let's read Genesis 19.12. Then the men said to Lot, so they're all, the angels are already in the city. They're having a conversation with Lot. You've got to get out. Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-laws. And the next phrase jumped out at me. Sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of this place. I wondered, did Lot have sons that weren't living in the house anymore, but they were there in the city? Could he have had four sons? And that's why Abraham stopped at ten. I don't know. But Abraham realized if there were ten in that city, God would show mercy. Exodus 32.14 says, And the Lord relented from the disaster that He had spoken of bringing on His people. Jeremiah 5.1 Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares to see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth that I may, that I may pardon her. That's God's heart. That's what He wants to do. He doesn't want to bring judgment. He, he wants to pardon and forgive. And he's willing to do that. And then Roman numeral five, prayer stops. I think sometimes prayer stops too soon. And let me use a little story in the Old Testament as a metaphor or analogy for prayer stopping. Second Kings thirteen, eighteen to nineteen. Then he said, This is a prophet to a king, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Sometimes we quit too soon. We should keep praying. But eventually we stop. And we believe that God has heard our prayer and is going to answer. So when do we stop? Letter A. When you're assured God's heard. When you're assured that God has heard your prayer, you stop. Verse 33, the Lord closes the conversation. Well, that's a pretty good indication that the prayer is over. There comes a point in time when the prayer is over. Exodus 14:15 is another example. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Moses, you've been praying. Now I'm, I'm done hearing your prayer. Get up on your feet and go do it. Jeremiah 7.16 is kind of a sad time when prayer stops. As for you, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or prayer for them and do not intercede with me for I will not hear you. There comes a point where God says, I'm not listening to any more prayers for this people, this situation. But if ten righteous people are in the city, God won't destroy it. If there weren't, He would. So there was Abraham's answer. And that could be our answer. When you know the answer, you're done. 
You can hang your head on the result. When else is prayer finished, done? When you can wait for the answer. You don't need to pray anymore. You are just going to wait and see what God does. Habakkuk was able, in chapter 2, verse 1 of Habakkuk's book, I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower and look out and see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk had spoken to the Lord and now he was going to watch to see what the Lord did. Abraham, same thing. Abraham began watching. And I can imagine Abraham's horror as he was watching towards Sodom and he saw the smoke rising up in the sky. Oh no. Abraham thought, what happened to Lot? And I think that God knew he would feel badly about that. And I believe, and it's just my belief and thought, that God told Abraham, Lot's okay. Genesis 19:27-29. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. This occasion right here in chapter 18. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. I wondered if he remembered Abraham and nudged him as he saw that smoke going up in the sky. Lot's okay. I heard your prayer. So circumstantial evidence doesn't always prove your prayer was answered or wasn't answered. Sometimes you have to go by faith. Watch and see what the Lord does. So we know from this verse that I just read, that God saved Lot out of Sodom. He heard Abraham's prayer, his bartering at the market. And he answered his prayer. And he'll answer your prayer as well because he cares about you too. God answers prayer. Let's close. Lord, I thank you today that you are a prayer answering God. Every one of us in this room can cite examples from our life of praying to you and seeing an answer to prayer, sometimes miraculously. Oh God, our faith is in you, the one that we cannot see with our eyes, but with the eye of faith. We believe. Believe the impossible if need be. Believe for the healing for these that we mentioned in prayer today. Believe for marriages to get put back together again, for reconciliation to take place in relationships, for financial needs to be met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Whatever the need is, you are greater than it. No problem we have, Lord, is a problem for you. So we pray to you. Deepen our prayer lives. Each and every one of us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stay.